Hey, I'm Maria Spear Alice, and I hate rushing. It never yields good things to rush, whether it's rushing to finish a client project or rushing to put on eyeliner. But when we have 10,000 things on our minds at any given moment, it's hard not to fall into that habit. I've had a lot of very specific technical training in my life, hello music school and law school, but none of that training prepared me for being a business owner, a lawyer, a wife, a mom, or really just a functional adult woman with a huge to-do list. I'm no guru, but I created Don't Rush Me as a way to talk more about the slow, simple tools you can start using today to make your life and business life a little easier. So whether you're a healer, a coach, or a business owner, a professional craving that slowdown, come with me as we learn about the small, easy things that can make a huge difference in your mind, body, or business. Do you have one of those friends that you've known for a hundred years and you might not see each other all the time, but whenever you do see each other or chat together, you just fall right back into old habits and you just, you know, every conversation is delicious. That's what it's like with my friend Erin Como. She has a really demanding job. She is an anchor and reporter with Fox 5 in Washington, D.C., and she wakes up at like three o'clock in the morning every day. So I thought Erin would be a perfect guest to have on the show and talk about just her different habits and how she handles the the stress and expectations of having such a demanding job, physically demanding and like, you know, mentally demanding, and learn about not just what she does to keep her body healthy, but also her mind healthy. And you'll hear us say, it's so easy to look at your bodily health and say, okay, if I eat these things and I exercise and do these exercises, then my body is quote unquote healthy. But when it comes to your mental and emotional wellness, it's not as clear cut. So you're going to hear us talk about everything from breath work and meditation to energy and frequency to money mindset, all the things. Um, And I just love chatting with Erin. We could have talked for two more hours. Uh, But a little bit more about Erin. Like I said, she's an anchor and reporter with Fox 5 DC. She's also an incredible cook. She's proud to cover the fitness and food scene in the nation's capital, and she hosts the popular Cooking with Como series. She's also a co-host of the new hit show Lion Lunch Hour, which airs daily at 11 a.m. in Washington, D.C. Before our conversation with Erin, here is today's history lesson. Amethyst is known for its beautiful purple color, but it has a rich history of use for both spiritual and practical purposes, dating way back to ancient times. According to Pliny the Elder in his Natural History, which was written circa 77 to 79 AD, yes, two digits, the ancient Greeks and Romans valued amethyst for its supposed ability to ward off drunkenness and promote sobriety. Amethyst was also thought to have protective powers and was commonly used in amulets and other jewelry. The ancient Greeks and Romans believed that amethyst had strong spiritual powers and used it in various religious ceremonies. In the Middle Ages, amethyst was considered a powerful and precious stone and was often used in religious jewelry and in rosaries. During this time, it was also believed to have healing properties and was used to treat various physical and mental ailments. Today, in modern times, the spiritual properties of amethyst continue to be valued. Many people believe that amethyst has the ability to calm the mind, to promote spiritual awareness, and enhance intuition. 
That's because it's purple, which is the same color as that crown chakra. It's also said to help with emotional balance and relieve stress and anxiety. Hope you enjoyed that history lesson. Now listen in for my conversation with my dear friend who I wish I could just jump through Zoom and give a great big hug, the beautiful Erin Como. Erin Como, welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast. Maria, I am so excited to be a guest on your podcast and I love watching everything you're doing, both personally and professionally. And I'm so happy to be your friend and watch you succeed. Ah, oh, thank you so much. I was thinking about it today and we have been friends for 10 years. It's a crazy long time and it just flew by and life for both of us has evolved and changed so much over those 10 years. So much. We were, well, I won't say how old we were. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, life has changed so much, but you, it's like, we always just like fall back into good habits. Like when you were here living in Nashville. I know I, I do miss our Nashville friend group. It was a really special time in my life because it was my first time away from home in Philadelphia. And my first time as an adult being like, Hey, I don't have any friends. How does an adult make friends? How does an adult make friends? Yes, for sure. I didn't know it was your first time living away from Philly. Yeah. So I went to college at Temple University. So I was always close by, always had my high school friends around. So even professionally in Philly, it felt more comfortable just because that's where I was from. So it was always a friend of a friend or that's how you expanded your circle. So when I got to right. Nashville, I joined a running group and that's how I made my first friend. Her name was Carrie. Wow. Yeah. That's how you make friends as adults. You join thing, do things like joining running groups. I, I read your intro prior, but introduce yourself to our guests and just how it is that you got to, you know, you're, you're, I know you're at Fox 5 DC right now, but how it is that you got to this point in your career? Well, okay. So let's see. I am currently an anchor and reporter at Fox 5 in DC. Um, I report traffic from 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. every five minutes, and there's no shortage of that to talk about. It's in front of a green screen and it's all ad lib style. So it's really good life practice for talking consistently without saying um or uh and making a subject matter that might not be the most thrilling. I mean, there are traffic fans out there. And then I also cover mainly food and fitness in terms of reporting, uh, wellness topics. And I co-host our 11 a.m. show in the kitchen. Uh, which is called Lion Lunch Hour, Like It or Not Lunch Hour with my co-host Marissa. And it's my favorite thing I've ever done because it's such a collaboration, so much fun. And I have a series called Cooking with Como, which kind of started back in Nashville because I was away from home and Maria is an amazing cook. <laughs> and we would have family dinners because we all were kind of away from everyone. Yep. One day, one day, Erin, we can do our YouTube channel about cooking Italian and Greek food together. <laughs> That would actually be my dream. I do like little videos now on Instagram and Facebook for simple Italian cooking because, you know, I don't have any kids and I live by myself, but you're married with kids. And regardless of where you are in your life, if you're trying to professionally succeed, you don't have a whole lot of time to make a good meal on a Tuesday. Yes. So it's have those go-to meals that, you know, can get you through. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love that you get to do the fitness and wellness and food stuff because I know that. Oh, look at that little fluffer. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> you can't My see this, cat. but I saw Aaron's cat. Um, <laughs> um, but, but tell me, I mean, you wake up at 3am every day, usually between three and three 30. So I just snuck in a 20 minute power nap. I ripped off. I shouldn't say ripped off. I gently removed my fake eyelashes <laughs> and I 
close my eyes for 20 minutes before our podcast, um, just so I could be refreshed for the second half of my day. Um, it, it's definitely, I would say the early wake ups, cause I've been doing them for gosh, over 10 years now, because in Nashville, I moved to Nashville to be a morning traffic and uh, features reporter. So I always did the morning show. And prior to that, I worked at NBC in Philly for six years behind the scenes as a planning producer. So I've always been in news and always had crazy hours and work holidays. Um, yeah. But it's, it's a lifestyle adjustment. And I know anybody can attest to this. If you're working those crazy hours, you have to make time to take care of your physical and mental space. Otherwise, you can get spread really thin and get really, really run down. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine. I can't imagine for 10 years, you know, waking, getting used to that schedule. But I'm sure you get into a rhythm and you kind of have developed some habits that help in terms of that, you know, sometimes stressful very demanding, very specific schedule. Yes. And I think one of the biggest things I had to learn was because I used to be a people pleaser. I'm a recovering people pleaser is what I like Aren't to we call. All? Aren't we all? <laughs> I of women especially are conditioned to not rock the boat unintentionally and to always be accommodating. And I always had this fear of saying no. I felt guilty like I was letting someone down. But when you're getting up at that hour, you have to learn to say no to things. Otherwise, you overload your schedule and you don't get a second to breathe. That's what I always said. Some weeks I felt like I didn't have a second to breathe. So I've gotten really good at saying, I'd love to do that, but I can't this week. And trying to keep at least three weekdays open to just work, working out and resting. Yes. Blank space. Blank space in a calendar is something that I undervalued for years. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm with you. And I'm with you on the people pleasing too. I mean, it's hard, but it sounds like you do a really good job of it. You know, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't this week. That's a very nice way of saying no. <laughs> but my schedule won't allow it this week. Is there a better time next week for you? And I'm also getting better at if something pops up in my calendar work-wise that takes a lot of mental space of saying, I know we have this on the calendar for two weeks, but unfortunately I have to reschedule. So I'm trying to really not commit to things unless I can do them, but also not having that guilt if I have to, unfortunately, reschedule something. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you're waking up, you know, before everyone else does, um, you really have to be judicious with how you're spending your time and your energy. Right. Because time is such a valuable, you know, currency and we have limited time no matter who we are we all have the same amount of time in a day so you have to be really careful how you spend it otherwise you're not going to have time for the gym or you're not going to have time to meditate or do yoga or do the things that you really kind of have to fit in in order to be productive in other aspects of your life yeah so um so as i was thinking about our conversation earlier today i was thinking you know it's probably well i'll i'll speak for myself i yes. like rules like if you eat these things and you exercise on these days and you do these exercises, like you will be healthy. Those are easy to follow, like kind of linear, very black and white rules. Whereas the other stuff, the other stuff in terms of like boundaries and wellness and just kind of like tending to your mind and body in a way that's not like the physical might be harder to do. It's so true. There's no blueprint for it. Um, I found going to therapy is really helpful because when you hear you talk, when you hear yourself talk about your problems out loud, you're kind of like, huh, mm -hmm. that's what I should focus on or 
oh, that's something small. I should let it go. It's not going to bother me next week. And you kind of realize your personality strengths and weaknesses. So I think therapy is healthy for everyone. I go uh, at least twice a month to talk with someone on Zoom and it, it helps me manage my anxiety. That's interesting. The actual act of speaking something out loud versus, you know, it all ruminating up in our heads. Oh, I ruminate all the time, Maria. I'll fixate on things. <laughs> and sometimes saying it out loud or talking to a friend about it, even because I have friends who are like not into going to therapy. They're just like, no, I don't feel comfortable. But at least have those safe people is what I call them, where you can tell them anything. And that can be a good outlet as well. Mm -hmm. So do you think that uh, by virtue of just doing what you do, because you know, even though maybe you're not doing like breaking news or something like that, it can still be stressful in that environment with things happening quickly all around you. Um, and just the schedule in general, like, was there something, was there, a, was there a moment where you can point to where you can say, this is where I started to focus on myself more, or has it just kind of been an evolution? I would say right before the pandemic, I was in a relationship that was really toxic for me. I was really depressed, but I didn't realize it at the time because when you're in the midst of feeling depressed, you never really realize it. And I just kind of hit a rock bottom in my own way where even though on my Instagram professionally, everything looked very good mm -hmm. inside, I felt like I was drowning. So I, I knew I needed to fix something. So I started, um, reading self-help books. I read Dr. Joe Dispenza's Becoming Supernatural and Gabby Bernstein's Spirit Junkie. And I, I really cut back on alcohol consumption because I used to drink way too much on the weekends. And I didn't appreciate at the time how bad that was for my anxiety and for my mental health. And just socially, it was not a good look for me. But you never realize your bad habits when you're in the midst of your bad habits. Of course. And they're habits uh because you're just used to doing them. Right. So cutting back on alcohol, I got a therapist. I started reading all of those books. I started getting on Instagram, you know, pages for self-help and wellness and unfollowing the pages that I felt like brought toxic energy into my life or made me feel not good enough where I was in the spiral of comparison. And I had to focus on how I felt. I spent less time on social media. I broke up with a relationship. I ended that, you know, and we're both in much better places now because it wasn't working. And I have a loving partner now and I'm in such a great relationship and I wish I would have found a relationship where I had such a supportive partner years ago but it took me a while to get to that point I think where I was even healed enough to be a good partner to someone else oh my goodness that makes me so happy just to hear it as your friend <laughs> oh. but I think sometimes we have to get out of our own ways to do that um I went to a breathwork workshop and I connected mm. that with this medical intuitive who's based in Germany. And I do sessions with her. She's a healer. And I'm a really big fan of thinking outside the box when it comes to wellness and healing and anything you can do. She gave me such good tips that you're not going to get from a traditional therapist for gratitude journaling. Recently, she had me do this exercise where you write down all the times in your life where you felt unworthy mm. and you it because she was saying when you hold on to these moments and these things it's in your muscle memory and you have to release it so it's uncomfortable to do but it was such a really good exercise for me so what do you do burn it burn the but, list because at the end you just say you know she gave me a, a list of things to say but basically it's like making peace with it and just letting it go letting the words be on the paper and removing it from your body oh interesting I really like that 
it was a great exercise for me, but I think it's important to invest in yourself and spend money on things like that. Spend money on the therapy. You will spend money on a nice pair of shoes. So why wouldn't you spend money on a self-help course? That's how I look at it. That's so true. And, and people, you know, people are hesitant to do that stuff because you can't see it. You can't see res- if you investing in a, in a, breathwork workshop or a healer of some kind, you don't see results the same way that you would in like a yoga studio package, right? <laughs> exactly. But I know I can say this, Maria, and I don't know if you feel this way. Sometimes I buy these like really fancy gym memberships, but then find myself so busy. I was making time to go. I've had a personal trainer for the past seven years and I see him once a week. And a lot of people will say, oh, I can't afford a personal trainer. I feel like I afford him because I let go of other bad habits, like the drinking and all those things that I was doing. You know, he really helped me get a healthier lifestyle because when you're seeing someone and you're constantly just not seeing progress, it's because you're self-sabotaging. Yeah. Well, and there's that little accountability factor too. That's like, I kind of need, I kind of need some accountability. (laughs) It's the same thing in business, right? Like if you want to grow, you seek, for example, what you do, legal help, because you want to make sure you have contracts in place that can protect your business. You do all these things professionally, but I always say you can't fill somebody else's cup if your cup is empty, right? Absolutely. I 1000% agree. And I think too, when you're talking about making investments and and things and, and starting new habits, it's like maybe taking a step back and it's like, what do I want to get out of this? Like, what's my goal with this? Why am I, why do I want a, a, a trainer? Is it like just to say, be able to say that I have one or is it because I want to get from point A to point B? And I think that this is how it's going to feel when I get there, you know, visualizing the end goal too, I think is a big thing. I, I've gotten really into visualization lately. And I think that that's a, a big part of it, you know, training your mind to get there too. Yes. You have to believe in yourself and believe it's possible because if you don't, no one else is. I've heard no so many times for work, right? Like for big jobs that they're like, no, you're not right for that. But it's having the courage to get back up and say, okay, it wasn't right for that one, but will I be right for the next one? Because it only takes one yes to change your life. For sure. Oh, I love that. Um, So, so, so take me, you know, on a day to day, we know that you wake up early, but like What's uh, in terms of a day in the life, are you, what little thing are you doing? You know, maybe, maybe it's before work, maybe it's after work, but just kind of to like check in with yourself, or maybe it's a, a meal that you're making or something that's, that you feel kind of like brings more ease into your day. So I definitely have days where I am chaotic and I don't do any of the good habits I should do. And I feel super run down, but I think bringing a big jug of water to work and making sure Mm. I drink it throughout the early part of my day helps because if I'm dehydrated, I get terrible migraines. So that's number one. And at night I gratitude journal every night. I write down 10 things I'm grateful for and 10 intentions, or I mean, three intentions for the next day. Ooh, I like that. Kind of like planning for the next day. Yeah. And it feels good because even if I had a really rough day where I'm feeling really defeated, my gratitude list might be as simple as something like, I'm grateful for my warm bed. I'm grateful for my morning coffee. I am grateful that I had this talk with Maria today. It might not be big grand things, but you can, once you list 10 little things you're thankful for, it makes whatever you're dealing with feel not as heavy. Well, and also, I don't know how woo you want to get Aaron, but you know, the, they say that the easiest way to bring up your frequency is to practice gratitude. And so it raises your energy frequency so that more good things will meet you at that frequency. I agree. (laughs) Um, 
so we can get as woo as you want because I'm really big in that, Maria. Do it, do it. I also realized if you don't have the courage to speak your authentic truth and what you want out of something, you're not going to get it. And people will think you're crazy. I remember uh, this was a couple years ago. Well, it was what, actually a long time ago. It's because I was living in Nashville at the time. Someone said to me, what do you want next? And I said, oh, I would love my own cooking or travel show. And they said, that's a dream job, Aaron. Be more practical. And they looked at me like I was crazy. And I looked at them like they were crazy. And now I have my own cooking series. You know, I'm cooking with these huge celebrity chefs. I'm co-hosting this talk show. I'm literally living the dream I set out to do when I got out of college. And there were a lot of stumbles along the way, years when my dad was sending me grocery money, but I just had this idea of where I saw things going. Yep. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. Yeah. You, and, and, and there were always, there were, there will, there will always be naysayers, but it's like, you pictured it and look at you now. And I think it's a matter of having that strong picture, right? And following through. I did a lot of work to go into that. I took speech classes when I lived in Philly because I had a really wicked accent that I needed to get rid of <laughs> and on my diction and my communication skills. So if you have a dream, think about the things you need to fix in yourself to be the person who can attain that dream. Yes, for sure. And again, like visualizing it almost and and feeling what it would, this is something I'm learning recently, like, okay. Let's say one day I just finished watching, um, what's it called? White Lotus. <laughs> oh, I have um, I've heard amazing things. Okay. Watch it. But also there's, um, there, you know, there's lots of money and yachts and things. And I'm like, what if I, what if I go on vacation in a couple of years with my family on the Mediterranean in a yacht, like yes, closing what? my eyes and picturing the view and picturing what it would feel like to be in that yacht now because that's what brings that's that's what brings you up that brings your frequency up i agree and it's about connecting with people that are on your same frequency and want to grow with you not people that are negative and holding yes. you back i'm working and i know this is weird and off topic on healing my relationship with money because i think that a lot of us grow up with baggage you know i grew up with not a lot of money so it was a lot of no you can't have dance lessons we don't have the money no we can't do this we don't have the money i wasn't on an airplane till i was 18 so i think it's a matter of feeling the abundance in your life creating the abundance and not feeling guilty for having it when you work hard for it yes oh my gosh i could talk about this too with you we could just sit here and talk until <laughs> dinner time aaron <laughs> I know. um there is a book called we should all be millionaires by uh rachel is it rachel rogers i'll drop it in the show notes but she talks a lot about money and just like all of our stories that we have about money. And, yeah. you know, if I make a lot of money, that means that someone else, you know, it's somehow taking it away from someone else or um, just all kinds of things. I won't go on and on, but it's like all of these stories are built into us, like down to a cellular level, like your body feels a reaction when you hear, no, Aaron, you can't have, you know, the salary or whatever it is you're asking yeah. for because of that little conditioning that we've had through like age seven, I think it is when mm -hmm. all of these subconscious beliefs start ingraining themselves into our bodies. And so, especially as women too, right? There's that whole other level of, of issues. I mean, two, three generations ago, even one or two generations ago, like a woman couldn't take out a loan herself. A woman couldn't own, pro 
couldn't own property. One of my, my great grandmothers didn't have birth certificates because in Greece, like, who cares? It's just a, you know, it's just a woman. She doesn't need a birth certificate. Which is wild about that. It's wild. Yeah. So all of these things, even though, you know, things are, are so much better, right. Than they were three generations ago. They're still in our DNA. There's still these things. And there's the subconscious beliefs that we go through when we're kids and the things that we absorb that we have to fight back against. And, and I think the first step is being aware of it. So like you mentioned, you know, recognizing that you maybe heard a lot of no and this and that, and the things, the patterns that you absorbed when you were a kid. Um, but it sounds like you've done a lot with that. I'm really working on healing my relationship with money. And that is the most challenging one doing the inner work for myself. I could look at myself and say, okay, these are my downfalls. This is what I have to work on. This is how I got here. But when it came to money, it was such, it's such a personal issue too, because I think it comes from childhood memories and lots of things that I found that work to be the most challenging. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But I'm working on it and it actually feels really good to say it out loud and to say, hey, I'm learning how to be more comfortable talking about money because I think the more money you make, the more you can invest, the more you can help other people. There are so many good things with coming from financial abundance in your life. Yes, absolutely. It's harder to help others when you are not financially abundant as opposed to when you are financially abundant, you can invest in whatever charities you want, whatever causes you want, whatever candidates you want. There was a statistic at just in our, um, in my community, the creative soul sisterhood. Um, and, and I don't remember the exact statistic, but it's like when women have money, they give a huge percent of it, percentage of it away, as opposed to men who do not, you know, give that same percentage. Oh, that's interesting. And, but that just goes to show you the more money you make, the more control you kind of have over your own destiny too, and the destiny of others, because you're able to then help that friend out who needs it. Yeah, With- absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> wow. I did not expect to go that in that direction today. <laughs> I haven't talked in a while. No, but I think, I think healing and wellness is, it's an all encompassing thing and it's not a linear journey and there are a lot of things you'll learn along the way about yourself that need to be healed. And I imagine as a lot of female entrepreneurs in your group, because you have to be, you know, in charge. I see my friend, Jen, she's a total badass of a woman who runs a PR company too. watching, you know, women in business. There's a, it's a, the own set of struggles that come with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing because you have so much freedom, but it's also, you know, when it's you or when it's, when it's just you, or if it's you at the top and you have a team or whatever it is, you know, it's all on you. So there's a lot of pressure. Um, I'm wondering if you can answer this question. So if for someone who's listening, who has a really demanding job, um, whether schedule wise or, or, or client wise or whatever it is, and she's just so overloaded and overwhelmed, like what's, what's an easy first step or two steps? Do you think that gratitude journaling is, is a good place to start? Is there somewhere else that you would? I think gratitude journaling before bed or in the morning, whatever your day allows. I would in the morning. I love mornings, but when that alarm goes off before three 30 in the morning, I realistically don't have the time to do anything other than get out of bed, start the coffee and jump in the shower. So I honor that. But then in my car, I'll listen to music and try to do deep breathing on my way into the studio. But I think that making at least 20 minutes for movement is so important. Mm. I love Adrian on YouTube because it's, yes. isn't that great, Maria? I just did her 30 day challenge for January where I did yoga every day. And the 
difference I felt in my body from even just 10 minutes of movement every day, as opposed to skipping some days was astronomical. Yes. I, um, I have a treadmill in my bedroom, which is next to my desk. And so like, I don't do, you know, a 45 minute or an hour long movement session, but I break it up into little like 10 minute chunks. And it, I, I, I notice a huge difference. I think movement is the most important thing because body, mind, soul connection, the journaling is great. The movement is great. And also meditation. I wish I made more time to meditate, but on the days I feel super anxious there's one, it's like a Kundalini meditation where you hold your arms on top of each other. Mm -hmm. I'll send it to you. So you have the link if you want to share it with people listening. Yeah. It's like it's meditation and it resets your nervous system. And I always feel amazing after I do it. Yes. Yes. And you mentioned breath work. I mean, that's a really easy thing too. Like you don't need anything. You can just close your eyes and, or like you said, while you're in the car driving, just kind of like doing some breath work because it can bring you back to your body. Yes. And I'll say, you know, from interviewing so many different people, media trained and not media trained, I went out on a shoot last week and it was this guy's first time on TV and he was really nervous. So I gave him the same speech. I give everybody I interview who's nervous, pretend the camera's not there. We're just in my living room, hanging out, having a conversation. You know what you're talking about. Now look at me and I want you to breathe in for four, hold for four, breathe out for four hold for four. And I go through a few cycles of that with them. And I say, okay, now let's just talk. And usually that helps someone to calm down because it's usually mind over matter. The nerves get in the way. So even though they know what they're talking about, as soon as that light of the camera turns on, people get really tense and nervous because they're, they're so scared they're going to say something wrong or everybody's watching. They don't want to look stupid. Whatever it is, nerves wise, it throws the entire message. Yes. That's so interesting because it, it goes back to, to like your authentic self and being scared for your authenticity to show through. Right. Um, like we mentioned, you mentioned earlier about, you know, just your authenticity. And I think it's, I mean, maybe not so much in an interview, but because people are just like, oh, there's a camera on and I'm, I don't know what to do with my hand, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, it, what it comes down to too is, you know, confidence and, and being scared of, of how you're going to be received when, you know, if you can come back to the breath and just like, okay, we're just going to have a conversation in a living room. Like we're buddies like that. Yeah. But I'm sure that's so calming to them. It takes the pressure off. And, and I've learned in anything, whether it's on TV or not, you speak in front of a lot of people and we all have days where we're like, that could have gone better. And, you know, I, it's a matter of not dwelling on the mistakes because they're going to happen, right? Like I'll do seven hours of live TV a day. Some days I say something like that was not grammatically correct, but there's no take back. So I'm going to keep it moving. You know, there, you just have to be kinder to yourself when you make mistakes. Mistakes are going to happen. It's all in the recovery. Yeah. I've had to go, I, I've, I've had to do that just with like social media and other things. It's like, oh, there was a typo in that thing. Do I need to delete it and recreate it and repost it? Like, no, I'm just gonna, just gonna release that. <laughs> We're all human. And, you know, I'll get immediate feedback any day. You know, I love your dress. I hate your dress. Where'd you get that? Why are you wearing that? And I have learned really to not take it personally, that it's more about the person giving the insult than it is about you. And it still hits me wrong certain days. And I try not to look at it actively while I'm working because I don't want to let it throw my headspace. But it's the same with content creators. When you're creating something and you're putting it out there, everyone puts things out into the world wanting good reception. So if one post isn't doing well, but you really liked it and it resonated with you, I always say that's more important than somebody who liked 50,000 
you know, likes of a selfie that you're not so crazy about that's filtered and not authentic. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Such good stuff. Oh my goodness. Well, um, tell us where we can, where we can follow you online and follow your, your, your cooking and, and wellness adventures. It is at Erin E. Como, E-R-I-N-E-C-O-M-O on Instagram. And I love sharing fitness and food tips because I think life is about balance. So since I'm eating today for lunch, I had lamb chops, lobster mashed potatoes, um, a lobster tail, a little sip of a tequila drink with blackberries in it that was amazing. And then I did a full workout segment and I was doing burpees with an ex-NFL player. And it was an amazing day. You know, I love the lamb chops. (laughs) <laughs> they were perfect too and you know it's so fun because this was a young chef who was on the show and he has such a bright future and to see people who are so passionate living their dreams it is just such a joy to be able to share their message that's why I love what I do because if I can have a platform to connect joy which is what I say is the most important thing in life that's what I love yes I love that too and I love watching you you're just such an inspiration and I'm so proud <laughs> But Maria, let's be honest, getting up at 3.30 in the morning, some days it's lonely. I'm going to bed at seven. I'm missing out on fun things. Like there's a lot of sacrifice that goes along, I think sometimes with having a really demanding career. I don't have to tell you this, you're a lawyer and a mom, but there's sacrifices that have to be made along the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's where it ha- when it com- comes back to intention. And it's like, are you going to do this forever? I'm going to guess no. Um, waking up at three, but maybe yes, because you you're used to it and you're in the habit. I mean, it's all about what feels good in your body. And if it doesn't anymore, then like Tony Robbins says, you don't have to do anything in this country. Mostly. Um, a good point. I think sometimes we never want to let our professional identity overtake our personal life to the point where our ego is so tied into this image we created that we forget our own happiness, what it feels like rather than what it looks like. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Got to be true to you. Ah, I love you, Maria. I'm coming to Nashville to visit. Yes. And I'm going to come to DC and we're going to, we're going to whoop it up. Yes. We're going to walk around and enjoy the cherry blossoms coming lit in March. Yes. And eat some good stuff. I would love your um, lamb meatballs, please. Yes. I just made some last night, Aaron. <laughs> Can you link the recipe to your meatballs as well? And your white chicken chili. Oh my meat. gosh, the white bean chicken chili. The, that was a really good recipe. I'll put my lamb ch- my lamb ball, uh, gosh, lamb meatball recipe uh, below. Sure, why not? I'm just saying, I think people would really connect with that. It's so good. Erin, <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an honor to talk with you. Um, I hope we made sense because I just woke up from a 20 minute power nap. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure that helped. I love you, bye. Love you. This episode was brought to you by The Legal Apothecary. Hey, that's my business. I'm a licensed attorney, and my practice is The Legal Apothecary, which is a female-forward holistic legal service for creative women that want to focus on growing their influence and their gifts. And part of The Legal Apothecary is The Legal Apothecary Library, where I sell easy-to-follow contract templates for you to use in your business. As a podcast listener, use code PODCAST for a 22% discount on any of the contract kits that you find in the Legal Apothecary Library. Link in the show notes.